Viewer discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to You, Me, and the Killer, hosted by Renat and Eileen. So today, we are going to be doing the Columbine shootings. Yes, Eileen. yes we are. <laughs> um, so this was the first ever mass shooting, school mass shooting, which is crazy given that the time that we are growing up in, it's almost like, it's scarily common. Yeah. And I feel like people are scarily getting numb to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's like, have you heard about the shooting? And people ask which one. Yeah. Which is very sad. Um, but yeah, that's the times that we live in right now. So a little bit about... Um, so b- because this shooting was the very first one, there's obviously a lot of weight to it. A lot of people described it as like the beginning of of a disastrous trend that we, we see nowadays. It was described as a blueprint for school shootings. Um, and then there's an article that was put out by The Conversation and they said that a lot of the shooters that we have today uh, look at the Columbine, look up at the Columbine shooters and kind of follow in their footsteps. For one of them, he would pick the anniversary of the shooting to end up committing his. Um, they also would refer to it as pulling a columbine, like I'm gonna pull a columbine. Um, oh my god, that's horrible. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if um, I were to ever hear anything about this around my school, I'd be like, guess what? I'm not showing up that day or any day. Yeah, for I don't know. forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's almost like scary that Parents have to be cautious about sending their kids to school. Yeah. And now that I think about it, I don't really think about that every day, like, my own safety. But, like, I know it's, like, a common thing, so I should be a little bit more worried about that. Yeah, and I feel like the fact that we're outside of maybe high school, that has a little bit to do with it. But there has been some conscience, too. Really? I feel like, to be honest, every place is a hot spot for this. Malls, Malls, schools, theaters. theaters. Yes. I was Anywhere. scared. I was scared to go watch The Joker because of that. Oh, yeah, that makes Because people were saying how, like, I did, there were threats. Look at that. Oh, my God. Wait till it comes out on iTunes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so we definitely see that a lot of the shooters nowadays do look up to, to the Columbine. And that tells us something. Maybe not... It tells yeah. Um, and again, referring back to the conversation article that I am talking about, and this is a direct quote, that the research uh, have found that school shootings have nothing to do with jock envy, Satanism, video games, and school shooters are not psychopathic masterminds. In fact, these soundbite explanations for this behavior only blind us to the reality of school violence. School shooters are almost always current students of their schools. They are students who are in crisis, students who have experienced trauma, and students who are actively suicidal prior to the shooting and expect to die in the act. Such children have always existed, but for 20 years they've had a new script to follow. And I find that comment to be, I don't know, very, it kind of just kind of woke me up to, to, to the thing, you know, in the media, when, when these killers are presented, they're presented as sick, monsters, um, 
even even in the Parkland shooting, when when one of the girls was talking about the guy, she was saying like, a lot of people told us not to ostracize him, and, and you guys didn't know him. We knew him, uh, and then she was saying how he's a monster and how everybody who 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 heard about the shooting that he was the one who did it were not surprised. Right, because you usually know those people. Yes, and and for that shooting, for the Parkland shooting specifically, people were um, reporting, were actively reporting. But yeah, nothing was done. So maybe you know this is. I think it's kind of a problem with the police system because they don't really take I guess children seriously when they're reporting these incidents. Well, it can be not taking children seriously. It can also be like lack of evidence. Um, like just because someone's weird doesn't mean someone's going to shoot a school do you know what I mean so like where is the line that we can draw and I think that is something that we try to do with our podcast is we try to look for general trends obviously we're not saying that if you're someone who has a b c and d you're going to end up being killer but what we are saying is that a lot of these shootings or murders come have warning signs warning signs that people dismissed could be people could have dismissed them for lack of education around the subject. People could have dismissed them for um, pure denial, but they are dismissed, and I think that is what we're trying to do. We are trying to kind of just spread a word on something that is common, and it's you know violence is common, and something needs to be done about it. Yeah. We're obviously not you know we can't say that we're not out here saving lives, but what we are doing is we are kind of educating, or we attempt to. Definitely. So, Eileen, you're going to be covering Eric Harris for us. Yes, Eric Harris, who we would consider the mastermind behind this criminal act because he was the leader. And he was born on April 9th, 1981 in Wichita, Kansas. What does that make it? In Aries. Oh, they are leaders. Yeah, they're known to be leaders, and they're very, very ambitious. They're the go-getters. Yeah. And he did do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and horribly as it is, he accomplished what he kept writing about, which I will later tell you guys about. But he basically did most of what he said he was going to do. He was very out and about about saying how he felt about things. And people just, as you said, dismissed. You know, he's just talking, and but that turned out not to be true. He was not just talking, no. All right, so um, he has no history of abuse, sexual or physical, that, you know, is known. But his father was an Air Air Force pilot, and so that made his family move move around a lot. So I guess he had some inconsistency in what a true home is, if we look at it from that perspective. However, he did move to Littleton, Colorado. So then for um, him moving like a lot, would you say that that affected his attachment, whether it's to parents or to like a closed system? Yes, I think it would because his dad was, you know, very involved with this work. So I don't think he really had a lot of interactions with his dad during his childhood. Maybe, um, you know, as I talk later. Um, his dad ends up retiring, and that's when they moved to Littleton, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then, then maybe they might have formed a closer relationship. But I personally think so. This is not any facts or anything. Okay. I think that 
the relationship you form with your parents is more important at the beginning of your childhood than it is if you form it later in your adolescence. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that because, um, you know, whether it is speaking purely about developmental, like intellectual development, physical development, people also neglect to talk about emotional development. And I think that there is a critical age where parents need to be active, more active than ever. Yeah. And you're saying that his father wasn't there during that time. Yeah. Continuing on, he was known to be very talkative. Talkative? Okay. Very outgoing. He had a very out, a big personality, as you would say. Okay. So he was not one of those little timid, shy kids compared to other children. And he was a bully himself. So that's why it contradicts what everybody was saying at the, you know, before they actually looked into the situation. They said that, you know, they were the victims of bullying, but although they might have been the victims of bullying, but not to a great extent. Eric was actually a big bully, especially to his friends. I would also say it's important to note that a lot of people at the beginning said that there was bullying involved. After much research that was done on the subject, people believe that they weren't bullied. Um, So that that was definitely debunked. And... Fun fact, he was great with girls. Look at that. So we see, we have seen with other killers that they display sexual deviancy. Tell me about him. Did he display any? He did have some interesting thoughts about girls, kind of like in a, he looked down upon them. Okay. But he didn't show a lot of sexual deviancy, that I would say. I mean, he, he had very controversial views about women. So you would say that he was a little bit sexist? Yes, he was sexist and not a feminist for sure. Yeah, not a feminist. <laughs> um, look at that. So you're saying that he was, okay, good with women. Um, what about his performance in school? He was actually a straight A student. He was really good at school, which actually shocked me personally because, you know, usually really outgoing kids are not good at school. They're, they're like average. Because usually the shy, timid ones, I would say, are better. And oh, this is me just being horrible and assuming things. But you know, you would most likely see a it different. In your personal experience, you've yeah. seen. Yeah, I, I would not see him as being a super smart kid, but he, he was. He was a straight A student. Look at that. However, I do think he's a master manipulator. From what I've seen, I'm still going to tell you more about him, but from what I've seen, he is. So great at manipulating people. Wow. Yeah, and it's kind of scary. So, because for one instance, um, Eric and Dylan got arrested for theft, criminal mischief, and criminal trespassing for breaking into a van. And then Eric's dad helped them get enrolled in a diversion program instead of going to jail and cleaning their records. Look at that. Good dad. Yeah, he he helped on that sense. So they were released early with glowing reports. That's because Eric, he did, he listened, he followed through, he did everything. He basically wanted to show people what they wanted to see, and he knew how to get his way through, you know, acting the part. Look at that. That's, I mean, that's to me sounds like I'm, like you said, a master manipulator. Yeah, it's scary. Because <laughs> you don't know if you have these people in your lives. So watch out. No, and that's the thing with manipulative people is you don't, you really don't know. Yeah. It's scary. So tell us more about um, 
his socioeconomic status? I think he was just middle class. Middle class. Okay, so you wouldn't say that had an effect on him? No. Um, okay. I don't think that would have any effect on him whatsoever. But another thing that happened was that he had a website and he was very active on there. Oh my god, the website. <laughs> oh my god. Crazy. He would just write all, all his thoughts and what he believed, like the judgment day, natural selection, how him and Dylan were the only ones that had self-awareness, and then he also had a diary on the other hand that was like paper-wise, mm-hmm. and it was called the Book of God. He basically idolized himself a lot, but he was very highly influenced by of Nazi Germany, especially Adolf Hitler, who was the leader, the leader of this, which I think I could see a lot of similarities between him and him. And Hitler. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, did he follow his idol to we the should, team? We closely? should do an episode about Hitler. Yeah, I He should be an unconventional killer that we cover. Yeah, because I think, yeah, he would be the biggest. He would be a good one. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Yeah. I mean, we birthed that would be idea. a long, long episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. And he worked with uh, Dylan at the Blackjack Pizza Restaurant while in high school. And he was very punctual, polite, and well put together at work. Which, look at him. Such a good manipulator. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing this a lot in this episode. <laughs> it but should like, be a drinking game. <laughs> but yeah, he just knew how to get his way around things. A quote of his is, I wanted to grab some weak little freshmen and just tear them apart like a fucking wolf show them who god is so he really saw himself as a god in a sense he thought he was ahead of his time he was this big man and i think the whole concept of you know this tragic incident that they did um is that they he got what he wanted he wanted to be recognized he wanted to be acclaimed for what he did and he successfully did that because a lot of people know them and you know what they did and were affected by it so sadly they he accomplished what he wanted yeah and you know just scroll through twitter and you find a few stands of um of the columbine shooters they definitely were were popular and again like i like i mentioned earlier they did a lot of shooters nowadays to look up to them they kind of created the blueprint of it all yeah and what I thought was the breaking point of this of his situation was that he was rejected by the U.S. Marine Corps mm-hmm. because he was on antidepressants, specifically Luvox. I think that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, so I think that's what kind of caused his thing because, you know, I think that's what he wanted to do after high school. You know, maybe if he didn't see that as his, you know, continuing on his life, mm-hmm. he saw no point of it. Maybe it became a suicidal mission from then on. But that's just my personal kind of And I think um, I think a lot of us sometimes look at up to our parents, look up to our dads, look up to our moms, look up to whoever took care of us or whoever we admire. And you know, maybe if we tell them I wanna be just like you, they'd be so proud. So the fact that he wasn't able to be just like his father, that it wasn't a choice of his and he was rejected could honestly, you know, that's something that we saw with Ramirez where he got rejected from the football team. Rejection is a big factor into breaking points. Yeah, look at that. 
because also we see with other serial killers is that they usually get rejected or left by their wives. And that's what Which ones? Like, Fish ended, ended up committing all his crimes after his wife left him. Look at that. And also Gacy. So I am going to be talking about Eric Harris's, what did I say? Assistant. Partner in crime. <laughs> no, no, because they, they are not at the same level. So I would call him his his assistant. What, what, there's a name for this, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. Sue, uh, Dylan's mother, was saying how when she first learned about the crimes, she kind of like blamed it on Eric. And then she said that that was irrational and she takes that back. So just going with what the mom said, let's call him partner in crime. Do you agree? Because we can't blame one of them. They both killed people. Dylan actually... Did, did Dylan kill people? I didn't look at the No, no, he did kill people. Okay. But he wanted to stop it. He and wanted to stop it? Oh. There was a part where I remember... Um, Dylan is like the normal and it, of the Mary Bell. Yeah. Definitely. And I think Norma was equally as bad as... Because Norma, Mary. Because the first victim that that, they, that Mary Bell tried to kill, Norma, was the one to stop it. Because she was like, I don't want to hold the boy down anymore. So even though like Norma was rebellious, and Dylan is rebellious, their rebellion didn't want to be manifested into, into killing people. And, and we see that by their hesitation. But you were saying that you feel like Norma is a little bit. Yeah. So I forgot to mention this, but um, they had another friend that was called Brooks Brown. Yep. And their his parents filed uh, a report on Eric because he threatened to kill Brooks on the internet. But, but you know why that happened? Because Dylan gave Brooke a piece of paper showing him the link to the uh. website. So he basically was like, look, you should look at this. I'm warning you, you know, you might be her. <gasps> but ironically, later we'll find out something. We'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll spill some tea. <laughs> tell us, give us all the tea, Eileen. So Dylan was born 9-11, September 11th, 1981. He is a Virgo. Uh, something about them is that they're quick-witted. Uh, they have great willpower and they're disciplined. I wouldn't say Dylan was disciplined. <laughs> so maybe something that our podcast will tell you is that zodiac signs are bullshit because <laughs> so far none of the killers that we have had you know completely and absolutely just kind of like follow their horse follow their, their it's just something fun we do but i i do think and he was a little bit disciplined because he was really good at school early on he was gift he was considered gifted he was considered gifted but then he did bad in high school which i'm talking about all right so did he get abused as a child? No, actually. Um, like while other other killers that we have looked at did experience some sort of abuse, he really didn't get abused. I would say that his mother and father were very hands-on. They were both working. Um, but they did their best to try to give their kids a comfortable life. They both uh, ended up and I'm touching a little bit on the socioeconomic levels, but they both ended up going, um, you know, from both working a nine to five to starting their own real estate company. So the Klebold family um, 
we definitely do see them kind of going up the ladder from a normal middle-class family to becoming an upper middle-class family. So yes, I would say that the parents were definitely hands-on. They were definitely very caring. Well, maybe they might have taken, maybe they were preoccupied a lot more when they, you know, increased in socioeconomic status. I mean, that could definitely be it. Because um, usually when you're too busy, you don't really pay attention to your kids a lot, a lot. I don't know how to explain myself, but like in-depthly, like you don't pay attention to them. Yeah. Maybe you know what classes they're taking, maybe you go to their games, but maybe you don't know um, what they're writing in their journal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always ask myself, like, if my kids were to ever have journals, would I rate that? I would. I mean, I, I would too. <laughs> and like, let me tell I'm you, sorry. if I ever had a journal, my mom would totally do that. My mom would, you know, would clean my room I'm, as a child, yeah. but she would go through it. You know what? <laughs> I had journals, actually. Like, I had a lot. Really? I had ones through, I think, because I lived, I had, fun fact, I had journals from when I lived during the war zone, which is kind of, like, cool, right? Like, I would read those. Yeah. You, you're that disciplined. Would... Thanks. <laughs> because... Okay, I attempted to have journals. And then you would skip days. And then I would just like, I would skip days too. So that's me. (laughs) If you could define me, you could see that. And I think journaling is important. I think I'm going to journal again. That's okay, man. That's a lot of work. To be honest, it's a lot of work to journal. So, like, if you take the patience and the time to do it, you know what? Congrats. I have this app that sends you questions, like really deep questions that make you think about life. Like, who is one person that you hate and what can you learn from them? And it's like, whoa, and you just write it. It's just like, it takes a minute. Like, I do it on my way to school. Look at that. But going back to Dylan. <laughs> but his mother, Sue, definitely um, did a lot of interviews. And she was saying that I think her interviews are very insightful. And I think that um, people should check them out. They're, they're very, very interesting. And she talked about how she felt like if anything was wrong with Dylan, she would know. But unfortunately, she was wrong. And... Um, we, we do see that. I mean, I don't want to say anything about Sue or anything. <laughs> Not to talk shit. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Eric and Dylan were best friends. Mm-hmm. She, she should have known. Dylan was part of this online thing that they had. His name was Vodka. <laughs> yeah. If she really looked into that she would know exactly what's going on and none of this could have probably happened and you know what back then internet wasn't like oh you won't go on your phone and you open the internet i think it was a little bit more complex i i know it was more complex but they had a bunch of people know what was going on no but what what i'm saying i mean is like like you are saying maybe it could have been easier to check because maybe it would have been their home computer or the computer in his room right rather than his phone he could she could have looked at the history yeah and again just because the internet might have been new maybe they didn't know like how to look at history like, maybe because now we're like mm, like let me no but she's educated she's educated okay i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know, I don't know. maybe i'm just <laughs> yeah so tell me more about his childhood so Something that we do see consistent with Dylan is his temperament definitely did stay the same. He was he was shy growing up, um, very to himself. He was actually very gifted in his elementary school. He was described as shy again, once again, like I said, um, and he loved baseball. That's cute. So, yeah, it is cute. And at the time of the killing, he was described as introverted, vulnerable, and disillusioned. Mm. 
So we definitely just see it progressing a little bit. It's still in the same category. It's just that there's more factors to it now. Um, would you say that he was very influenced by his friends in high school? So yeah, I don't know what the, what, what the <laughs> thing is. Flocks of the same feather fly together. Yeah. So that, you know, basically, like you would say that you're a product of your environment. Absolutely. I think, do you think Dylan would be a product of his environment because that's why he changed? I hope not. <laughs> Are you trying to say that I would... No. Um, <laughs> do, this is what I think. I'm like, I think that when people are in specific, vulnerable times in their lives, they're impressionable. That's something that we see with teenagers. That's why like, they always say, pay attention to who your kids are hanging out with. That is, that's why peer pressure is it's a very big thing. Mm-hmm. And I think given uh, Dylan's upbringing, given what we know about him so far... Uh, we're going to obviously talk a little bit more about him. It would make sense to why he would fit in. To why he he would want to fit in with, with Eric Harris. To why he would want to be like, yeah, I hate the world too. I'm not saying he didn't hate the world on his own. But I'm saying that maybe he could have turned out differently. It, yes. I think Dylan alone would have been different. I wouldn't know if Eric alone would have been different. No, no, no. For sure. I personally don't think... I think Eric would have stayed Eric. He would have gone on to do something else, for sure. Yeah. Do we have any sexual deviancies? So, actually, I wasn't able to find anything specific about his sexual deviancy. I think this question is maybe a little bit more um, appropriate when we talk about sexually driven crimes, like with um, John Wayne Gacy or with Albert Fish. But in this specific case, they really weren't sexually driven. Although this is not like sexual deviancy, I heard that there was a possibility that he could have been gay because he was in the theater program and a lot of people labeled him and you know said some things to him about him being gay. Um, I know that in his I do I don't know about him being gay, but I do know that in his journal he was very frustrated about his lack of relationship. So he he wanted to have a girlfriend. He he wanted that, and I think. Um, to touch on what you said, like high school theater and being gay, I think that's just a little bit different. I think like people in high school, like especially back then, like the lingo was a little bit different. So people were like, oh, you're so gay, <laughs> like for doing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For being interested in theater. Did he have any aggressive tendencies? Yes. So once Dylan got to high school, we see him not fitting in with the whole jock culture. That, the, that Columbine had. Um, so him and Eric developed this hate, this shared hate for the school, this shared hate for the world. Um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about their fascination with Nazi Germany. So they would always greet each other by saying like, hail Hitler, um, and then just giving like salutes to each other when they when they meet each other and when they would like play games together. They both liked playing violent video games, which is something that we do see the media referencing to when they are talking about why this happened again to put to put this into reference this was the very first one so people were kind of like what would make you know people were going crazy like what would make oh god people were like losing their minds like what would make someone do something as crazy as this what would make kids have guns and go up and shoot at school it was yeah um so they played violent video games that you also mentioned their petty crime um and then personal writings he did express suicidal thoughts and like i said about his love life 
on YouTube, there's a video of them talking about, um, did you see the video? Mm-hmm. It's called Killers for Hire, something like that, where they dressed up as, like they were in trench coats, all black, and they were saying how they are. The trench coat mafia. Yes, and they would, that they were shooting jocks who would bully kids. Um, Another foreshadowing that people missed. <laughs> yes, and they were sad that they weren't able to show it to the whole school. They wanted to show it, and then they also did end up doing an assignment together that talked about shooting, shooting up like at school. And their teacher actually said that they did a great job. <laughs> yeah, I she really said that. that they did a great job and that it was. Um, while it was gruesome, the detail was was, was point. You know, on point. Oh, I wonder what that teacher. Yeah, aren't they mandatory reporters? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I wonder what that teacher, like today or like after the shooting happened, was like. Oh my god! I like I missed this 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 sign. Like it was looking at me, and I completely missed it. I would I feel so guilty, and that was me. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, again, I like I said, they were a match made in hell. They were both curious about destruction, and then that ended up becoming collecting guns that they got illegally. Um, we're not going to touch about on gun laws today, no. but <laughs> uh, for this specific shooting, unlike the other shootings that are happening today, the guns for the Columbine shooting were obtained illegally. You can see how easy that is. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, tell us about what happened that day, Eileen. Alright, so unfortunately this is not a very detailed crime because it's only an hour long time span. But it happened on April 20th, 1999, specifically Hitler's birthday. Oh wow! Yeah, but actually they were supposed to do it the day before because they were trying to honor the Oklahoma City bombing. Because that's what that was their original inspiration. Because... Sadly, this was supposed to be a bombing and not a shooting. So sadly, there were 12 students that died and one teacher. And let me go on with timestamps of what actually happened in this incident. So at 11.10 a.m., they arrived at the parking lot. And this is where I said before that I was going to come back and tell you some tea and some ironic things. Mm -hmm. Eric, despite being on and off friends with Brooks, and hating him sometimes and giving them the, giving him the death threat told Brooks to leave so he's like I like you leave and he did and he's actually the one that you know, called the cops later on and was like because he heard the, the bomb that went off but he heard things and he's the one that basically got the whole thing and told everyone what what was happening because he was the first one to know because he was warned apparently Eric missed an exam and that's not you know that's not normal for him because he's a straight a student Mm. and then afterwards i think brooke goes outside to see what's going on and that's where he meets eric and eric tells him yeah you gotta book it yeah basically so that's what happens at around 11 10 a.m and then 11 14 a.m is when they head to the cafeteria and plant two large double bags full of explosives and leave them there and then they they walk out back to their cars because these explosives were set to explode at 11 17 
However, they did end up exploding, thankfully, because that would have killed a lot more people. So at 11.17, they were at their cars waiting for it to explode, but they were waiting in their cars because their plan was to, you know, the people that actually were able to run away from the bombs, they were going to shoot them coming out. Isn't that horrible? Oh my god. Like, imagine you're, like, escaping, and then you just, oh, you get hit there. No, that's, yeah, that's, oh my god, I can't even, that's a, a whole other level. Something that you talked about was, what, what did he say to me? You were like, imagine if this was a bombing. So, I told you that, you know, um, what if it, the trend was, you know, mass bombings instead of mass shootings? Oh my god. Like, yeah, imagine <laughs> people bombing schools. You know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we are saying that this crime, and, you know, we're not the ones who, who are saying it because it's all over the internet that it was a blueprint. So, it is crazy to me how this trend could have manifested if those bombs were. So then the bombs didn't work and then what happened? So at 1119, bombs did explode, but they were at fields nearby because Eric and Dylan uh, planted those bombs in this field to divert from the school. So there was supposed to be two sets of bombs going off, one in the field and one in the school. And the one in the field was supposed to disintegrate to get all the cops to go there instead of the school so that they could finish shooting people, which is sick, you know, if you actually think about That's it. It's definitely very calculated. Yeah. And, yeah. They were very, very structured and very organized in their crimes. Yes, we can definitely see that there is, um, but there was some thought put into it. And now let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> so from 11.19 to about 12 o'clock in the morning is when they killed all Tom. their victims. Their main victims were staged at the library because blocked off the library. So they, the, most most of their victims were in the library until they wandered off later. Like, a lot of people were managed to escape because, you know, they weren't in the library. But hi, Kali, a deputy was called on scene because somebody called 911 at 11:23. So that's when they got on site. While Eric and Dylan were in there, they tried to shoot out the window to scare the cops but that wasn't working and they, they basically they basically knew that it, this was not going to end well for them and they already knew that from beforehand so at 12.08 Eric and Dylan killed themselves Dylan I think shot himself in the, on the side of the head and then Eric um, shot himself inside the mouth but that was basically the end of it and then at the cops and the journalists were trying to see what was going on mm-hmm. and we're getting Bad information, I do know. Like, incorrect. Yeah, and I know that Sue, the mother, she said that when she heard that there were these people shooting in the school, she was thinking, oh my god, who are these people shooting in the school? I hope Dylan's okay. When she learned that Dylan is the one shooting in the school, she prayed that Dylan would kill himself and end it all. You know, make, not have so many people suffer. And I don't think people understand the weight of that statement you know the weight of a mother wishing that her kid would kill himself to end the suffering of so many people um it's it's very sad if i have to be honest i don't think them killing themselves was considered them stopping killing people I don't know how to explain it. So, like, I think regardless if they didn't kill themselves, it would have been stopped by the police. But what I'm saying is that even regardless if they didn't kill themselves, it w- the situation would have been handled 
to some at some point. And Fair. I think if they didn't kill themselves, we would have learned a lot more about the situation and been a lot more educated properly from learning, you know, from psychologists and doctors examining them, asking them questions. We don't know what actually was going in their minds, and we would have been able to study them to prevent future incidents. However, another thing that I found is that Eric and Dylan said that if they survived Judgment Day, like they would later want to hack an airplane and crash it in New York City, which I thought like was crazy. It gave me goosebumps because I'm like, this is kind of foreshadowing 9-11. Because this happened before 9-11. Yes, 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 9-11's two years later. (laughs) Yeah, two years later. Oh, 20, yeah, 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 yeah. That is crazy. And the fact that Dylan was born on 9-11. Yeah. And then they had that idea. Oh my God, I'm getting literally goosebumps right now. I'm getting cold. It's, Isn't that scary? That literally blows my mind. Like, oh, oh my God. Because, yeah. Oh my God. Um, so, we are going to be making a video where we are going to be talking about the victims that lost their lives. Thank you guys for tuning in to our episode. Let us know if you have any comments. Questions concerns, or concerns. Questions. Any, <laughs> anything. And if you see anything, say something. Please. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. See you guys next time. Stay safe.